welcome to this week's episode of the Founder and the Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how founders and leaders work together with their right hand partners to turn ideas into action and build a wildly successful businesses. Today, I'm speaking with Jeff Davis and Megan Tenure. By his 30s, serial entrepreneur Jeff Davis had already built multiple national companies and was featured in Fortune Magazine, CNN, Money, quoted by Inc. Magazine, and featured in countless other news stories. In 2014, he successfully sold his national medical legal trial presentation company to a biotech that became publicly traded months later. With the highly unique background of having been a master's degree trained find artist, owning a national litigation support company, dissecting human cadavers in a medical school, competing as a skateboarder, launching multiple national companies from scratch, taking his family to travel the world across 29 countries for an entire year, and having advised the founders of companies doing hundreds of millions per year in revenue, he founded the national by invitation only community for CEOs and entrepreneurs known as 12 Mavens, which the Business Journal refers to as the secret society of CEOs. Jeff is also the founder of the popular annual strategic planning event, Plan the Attack, and is giving keynote speeches to organizations worldwide. In 2021, Megan joined Jeff as the senior executive assistant for 12 Mavens. Megan is a highly experienced senior executive assistant with a passion for providing exceptional support to top-level leaders. I love when I get to talk to founders and force multipliers who just get it. Finding the right match is so important and the value of great executive assistant for founders and CEOs cannot be emphasized enough. The right person truly will maximize the founder's time, effectiveness, and success. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I think you will, then be sure to let us know in all the usual places, such as leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Founder of the Force Multiplier podcast. Jeff and Megan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So let's jump right in. For those people who are listening who might not be familiar, familiar with your company, 12 Mavens, tell us a little bit about how you got that company started. It came out of necessity for myself. I had started a business and I was about 31 at the time. I didn't know how much I didn't know yet. And I was out there swinging and, and, and working hard, trying everything you could try and got kicked in the face left and right, as we do sometimes as we're learning about the wild ride of entrepreneurship. And, you know, I tried some some things that burned through a lot of cash and caused a lot of anxiety and realized, man, if I had just had some other people who I admired, who were achieving great things and put out some of these ideas and had conversations about them before doing them, I probably could have saved myself a lot of pain and a lot of a lot of money. And so, you know, started to do that, started to get around other entrepreneurs. But it, 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 at that time, that stage, it was still really casual and there wasn't a framework. Sometimes we do it, sometimes we wouldn't. Sometimes we talked about a football game, you know, but then I, I was able to sell a company and decide what I wanted to do next. And, and I loved it. So that's what I did. And when, when did that formally, when did you formally yeah. get that? That the first all air quote official meeting was in March of 2014, okay. but but I had just sold a company that I had just worked really hard to scale for 11 years, so I wasn't really looking to go nuts. I think I just had a, a couple of people for about a year and a half, honestly. So I actually want to talk about the other company that you had briefly for 11 years. I mean, obviously entrepreneurship or else. 
who you are. Did were you always an entrepreneur or were, did it some for sure? Hundred yeah, percent. Yes. I'm curious. <laughs> ever have an actual job or a boss? My, I think I, I've definitely had jobs. I I cleaned the the floors of a barbecue place when I was 16. I, I took stuff out to the trash behind a printer. You know, I had some some good teenage jobs, but but I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always, you know, I think about how I tried to sell my old Matchbox cars to kids on the street. And when I was into skateboarding, I used to go to my dad's office and I, I made my own little skateboard magazine on his copy machine and then went around trying to sell them to the other skateboarders. And so, you know, I've, I've always had that in me, but I've always started businesses around things that I was just really passionate about. And so, so in, in, I, I love drawing stuff, you know, I was, uh, I was good at, at art, but I never wanted to be a starving artist, always been really, you know, entrepreneurial. So for me, it was a matter of how do I make some kind of a business with my passion for drawing stuff. And I ended up finding out about anatomical and surgical illustrations used in litigation. And, you know, I was into skateboarding. I drew skulls and stuff like that already. And so I ended up getting a master's degree in uh, medical illustration and started a company doing those medical illustrations for. Wow. That is, I'm like, how did I not know that about you? <laughs> oh, there is so much you don't know. Yeah, like that is super niche and super interesting. Yeah. Super niche. Yeah. What's fascinating about that is that you built a successful business that you eventually scaled and sold. I'm assuming is that the same business? Yeah, yeah. I ended up growing that from a little 500 square foot studio apartment to working with law firms in 40 states around the U.S. We got featured in Fortune magazine, CNN Money, Quoted in Inc. and a bunch of other crazy stuff. And then I was able to, I grew that for 11 years and then sold the company. A couple months after that, the company went public. I still own a tiny little bit of that company, which you could hear how high pitched my voice got on tiny. That <laughs> Gives you an idea of how small. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's just so fascinating because I think as people who might be thinking about starting companies, they I mean I think the fact that you went so niche was, was um, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but obviously paid off. And I think that perhaps people don't think about going that niche sometimes. And obviously it was a successful move for you. So I want people to hear that you did that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's there's pros and cons of being a super niche business like that. Sometimes you can be like, oh my god, nobody's doing this yet, and then some, there's a reason why, and then and then sometimes, yeah, it's like, oh my god, you think about. I mean, it depends where you live, but if you live in a place where there are tons of billboards for injury lawyers everywhere, they all need to demonstrate all of those cases, and most of them <laughs> called my company to do that. And, and so it was that one of the downsides was anytime somebody used to ask me, what do you do? I was, I always was jealous that I couldn't just have like, I'm a dentist done. Yeah. It was always like, it's like a whole paragraph, you know, to explain it. Yeah. I have to ask, did you draw your own logo? Did I draw my own logo? Yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. For 12 oh, for 12 Mavens. No, the oh, original okay. one, the original one. Yes. Not this one has been updated by professionals got it got it okay so we often hear all the success stories that entrepreneurs have but and those are great but i like to hear sometimes about the not so 
not so successful stories. I think that we can learn a lot from those. Is there any any moments in particular that come to mind where you had a really challenge, a big challenge, something that didn't go as planned? And, and how did you work through that? Yeah, a lot. And anybody that tells you, any entrepreneur, I don't care if they're on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in America. I don't care if they've won CEO of the year five times. They have gone through hell and back and they've had plenty of failures. And if they tell you they didn't, they're either lying or they played it so safe that that in itself was a failure that they they missed a million opportunities, probably just to try to not you know, shake things up. But yeah, a lot of them. I mean, it, it, like what I was talking about a little bit earlier about some of the mistakes I made that that cost a lot of money and a lot of stress. In 2006-ish, 2007, my company was growing like this. Guns were blazing. We're being featured in magazines and everything. I could do no wrong. And in a short span of time, I doubled my staff, quadrupled our office space, bought my first house and had my first child. I guess my wife had the child technically, but that's a lot of stuff all at the same time. And if you know history, when the Great Recession started, it's that's you know it, it's not great timing to double down, quadruple down. But you know, I did all that again just with guns blazing, didn't talk to other people, you know, that have that outside perspective and say, hey, I'm thinking about bringing in, you know, these sales guys, and I'm going to compensate them this way. And, you know, all the different, you know, I had the wrong people, I had the wrong compensation, I had the, you know, wrong, 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 but didn't know yet, you know, I have a master's degree in medical illustration, what the hell did I know about interviewing sales guys? So, so what happened? Oh, so I burned through about six figures in six months. And that's actual money. Like, I mean, I was in my early 30s and that wasn't like pipeline value or perceived value, like actual dollars that, you know, could go to kids college one day, could go to a dream house one day or got burnt on like some bad hires that and, and some other decisions, you know, maybe a little too fancy of an office, maybe didn't need that super fancy phone system. Maybe there was a little too much glass and chrome in that two-story office space that I, you know, moved us into. But so, yeah, and I'd say, you know, another mistake was it took me too long to get help. You know, this this podcast is all about the partnership of a founder and a force multiplier. And I was doing so much myself because you know, it was like I, I, I went with sweat, sweat equity. I didn't raise capital. I was self-funding, starting from ramen noodles for dinner to pay for a little printer. You know, I mean, I literally entered a karaoke contest with the hopes that if I won, I could buy the fax machine I needed. And I mean, I could tell you stories, but but, yeah. you know, I was like pounding my chest about what a you know what a warrior I was to work till three in the morning, four in the morning, every night and every weekend. Meanwhile, it didn't have to be that crazy and that extreme. And you know, when you're that tired out, you're not making the best decisions. That's so true. When did you I mean, so there's definitely a lot of lessons in there. When did you make that decide to make like your first assistant hire somebody who really was going to support support you and help you yeah um, well before I had my first child my wife would help with a little bit of of that admin stuff but it wasn't really 
uh, I mean, she did, she went to college for something totally different, but she was just kind of helping. And then when, when she had our first child, who's now about to be 17, for how long ago this was, our first baby, and then there was nobody to do it. And I was doing all that too. And then kind of like with hiring the sales guys, I didn't know anything about how to hire, you know, like an office manager, administrative assistant, and, and you know, executive assistant, any of it. And so... You know, I didn't even really know how to, you know, what to ask. I didn't know even when I brought in, I went through a few and I, I would just like one of them, I would just give things, give things, give things. I wouldn't do anything to like see if it actually ever got done. <laughs> I'm on to my next thing. And, and, and then you realize a lot of it was never getting done and, and, you know, learning things that way. But that was, I would say that was maybe three or four years into the, into, into the business. So when did you, so that's kind of when you made that first, started to first maybe make a force multiplier hire. When did you and Megan start working together? Megan, was it, it's about two years? Yeah, it'll be two years in April. Okay, cool. And, and Megan, I just wanted to ask you a little bit, like what was your career path leading up to partnering with Jeff? Sure, so it took me a while to find Jeff. I started my career in healthcare I worked at a major hospital in my area for eight years. And then I just noticed like my, my growth was stagnant. I lost kind of that joy and that excitement that I had going to work. So I knew it was just a natural time to make a change. And so I started looking for opportunities. And within a few months, really, I found Jeff's posting. And I thought it seemed like a pretty good fit. And we've been here ever since. Very cool. Successful business, strategic business partnerships like the two of you have looked look very different depending on you know who the who the partners are what is one thing that you think makes your relation your working relationship successful i'll say for me i think it's that at our core we're good people nice people genuinely want to be helpful to to the to each other and to the greater you know cause that we're fighting for I, I think like when I first met Megan and she was telling me a story about something that she did for somebody that was a patient in the hospital and I was like she's awesome person more so than like if she knows how to like do whatever in excel or you know like like when I heard the story I was like I don't even care like it's a good person <laughs> and 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 she did something that was like something extra beyond just like the you know kind of, you know, spreadsheet, ding dong, whatever, kind of everyday type stuff. It was something extra, something from the heart, something that was rooted in, in like amazing intentions to make the world better in, in the way that she could in, in that instance. And, and I, I like that because there aren't that many people like that. Like in my company, at one point I had, you know, all these employees and, and I remember even though I get it, like we closed at 5.30, if at 5.29, I already hear the keys and it's just, it's like, all right, I get it. You got to like, but it just was sort of like, just don't care. It's just a, it's just a means of money. And, and one of the things when Meg and I first were about to start working, one of the hesitations was that she came from such a big organization, you know, like university, hospital and all this stuff and layers and a lot of people and a lot of things. And I was just a lunatic entrepreneur with ideas and ADD and kind of a little bit, you know, the classic probably founder scenario. 
And and so I remember telling her I was I was that was my only thing I liked her, but I was afraid that it, you know it's going from a cruise ship onto a skateboard and and you can get injured on a skateboard. How was that for? I mean, I think that's such an interesting point because even when I'm hiring people, I often am concerned about that as well. When I go to hire various team members who worked for companies with thousands of employees and team members, yeah. and we're, we're a small business. So how was that experience for you, Megan, going from that? that <laughs> to working just with Jeff. So really it was a, uh, honestly, it was a much better experience. So at the hospital, I was one of like 30,000, you know, so I was just the small little ants in a huge, you know, anthill. So really like nothing could be done within a day. There were level of hierarchy and levels of management and basically each section of healthcare worked independently. So like, even if you got permission from your boss to do something, you still had to go through like 20 other people to get anything done. So it was incredibly frustrating. It was like nothing moved fast. So coming to Jeff, where we are a small team, every little thing we does matters. And every little thing you can do either improves the company or, you know, the other way around makes it worse. It, it all matters. So I loved it because I felt like I was actually making a difference and not just kind of in this rat wheel of like, getting permission and asking the right person and finding the right person. And nope, they're not the right person. Try again. You know, so it was, it's just so much easier. There's just a lot less complication. And, yeah. and to her, to compliment Megan, at that same time, we were switching out all this technology. We were bringing in new, like, new software that, like, I didn't even know how to use it myself. And and we were doing this and doing this and this per this person's, like new and this person's leaving and it was like a, a, a really a point of a lot of stuff going on at the same time. Yeah. And that's why you needed someone like Megan to help figure <laughs> it all out. I think that's I, I really love that you shared that, Megan, because oftentimes we we think maybe like a smaller company or working with a founder is going to be you I, I think it's actually kind of interesting that you said it was less complicated. And, and like easier because oftentimes we might think working with a founder, it's going to be so complex. It's going to be, and it's, you know, it's complex. It's cra crazy. It's chaos. However, if you have the right executive assistant or you have the right force multiplier who actually thrives in that environment and is able to make an impact, like that's what founders are looking for is, is somebody like that. And you just need to make sure it's the right, it's the right match because somebody who doesn't thrive in that environment. Yeah, they would be completely freaked out and they probably would have left after. So it really is about that match and that alignment. Jeff, we had talked, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago about your the the community of CEOs and entrepreneurs that you that you now work with. And I can't remember if there was a particular stat or not, but you mentioned that a lot of them don't necessarily have an assistant or an EA like Megan. Yeah. And I blows my mind. Some of the the size of some of the companies that the CEOs still doesn't have an assistant. It blows yeah. my mind. And it did too when you when you shared that with me. And I'm just curious from your perspective, why do you think that they they're hesitant to make that hire, mm -hmm. or maybe they haven't even thought about it before? Like, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I think it's several reasons. I think for some, it's just they've just gradually over a lot of time their company's grown and they brought in this person that sells this, this person that makes this, this person that does the accounting, this and all these things, but that, and they just, they've done the stuff that somebody else could do and they just keep doing, it. it's just like what they know, it's just how they part of their day and they just do it. And they think that it'd just be just as fast to do it myself as 
you know, tell somebody else to, you know, whatever. I think that's part of it. It's like how you don't see your kids grow. You don't see your pet get bigger. It's just this, over time, it's just gotten bigger and, and all the, you know, like, well, we need more people making these. We need more people selling these versus, versus all the little things. I think another reason why somebody might not do it is they're trying to save the the expense. And especially if you're growing fast, you know, growing fast is expensive. You, you, you know, you could have these different initiatives and you're sometimes your company's growing like this, but you're actually, you know, burning more cash than it's coming in. It's very common. I mean, I literally was just talking to an Inc. 500 CEO about 30 minutes ago that talked about burning, burning through millions, like, you know, early on and like could barely even wake up in the morning because they were like out of cash again. And, the, you know, it's a great yeah. funded startup. But, but so I, so they're trying to save that extra expense by just doing it themselves. I, yeah. And which I completely understand. And yet I always argue it's an investment. Well, of course. Yeah. It, and you know how much time, time you, the founder or the leader will get back in their day to work yeah. on producing activities that will actually help them increase revenue. Of course. Oh, a hundred percent, a thousand percent. And, and if and I've, I've, I've sat with them and we talk about some of these tasks and about how many hours a day that it takes. And then we add that up for a week or for a month. And then we say, if you had that many hours every week to work on, like, what would be the biggest impact thing you could be doing? Like, oh, I could be doing this. I could be doing this. And we do the math and like, you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but I see it all the time. Entrepreneurs they're too busy to make more money, <laughs> which doesn't make sense, right? You think like, well, you have to slow down in order to move faster. And that is for, I think, for, well, especially for entrepreneurs, that is just, yeah. that is just that's hard. And the, I think the inclination is to just work longer or, you know, work, work more hours, but that, that's perhaps not sustainable. Yeah. And, and for some, it could be that they had somebody that sucked. And yeah. was bad and made it worse and was a headache and they didn't like working with that person and they they got rid of it and they just like forget it and but it's kind of like oh have you been on a date with somebody <laughs> oh I tried it I went on a date it didn't work and then you just don't go on a, a second date with anybody yeah. ever again yeah that's so true okay so your new company twelve well not brand new but newish newer company twelve yeah. Is about bringing together driven, growth-minded entrepreneurs and CEOs. What are the top three things that you believe CEOs and entrepreneurs need to know in order to grow their business? I think one thing that's hard for founders to do is, is really track your numbers, measure them, understand what they mean, understand the numbers of what needs to get done. Like, so most entrepreneurs, they're just out trying to get business and you know but they don't really know how many people do you need to reach to lead to a conversation how many conversations do you need to have to convert to a sale how many you know what what did you spend on the top of that funnel what did, what did it cost to acquire a client or a customer all these different metrics they just are, just go they just do stuff and most entrepreneurs need help with that because they're on like the marketing idea, but not like the little nuanced details of, of the metrics of it. The best entrepreneurs know their key metrics. 
so that they can then measure and then test variations of what of what you're doing and then you can optimize and see if if it gets better or if it gets worse but if you don't even know you know then you can't you can't do that number 2 i'd say they need to make when they have that winning formula they need to make those winning formulas that they've been measured that need to make them replicable and and repeatable so other people can follow those winning recipes you know kind of like how a franchise does it and in and creating the systems that other people can follow and and entrepreneurs need help with that too you know documenting systems in a way that people will actually use and i say i will actually use because you could have somebody help you document the way you do the stuff in something that nobody's ever going to look at it. Nobody's ever going to play that video. Nobody's ever going to pull out that checklist. And so in, in a practical way where other people can follow the way things are done. And then the third thing I would say, I mean, I would say there's there are definitely more than three, but but the three that come to mind, the third one, I'd say the need to the need to be willing to work hard but at the same time that you're willing to do the hard work it's kind of opposites at, at the same time as you have that work ethic you need to be looking to find great people not pretty good people not crappy people but great people who can step in and step up and help build the thing too so that the founder doesn't hit the ceiling of how much the business can grow because how much they're doing themselves you know because there's a limit to to one person's hour per day you know even the greatest entrepreneur smartest person can only do so much from wake up to go to sleep in a day and a lot of times the founders are usually the bottlenecks to the growth of the company because they're not letting go yeah, those are three really awesome, awesome points. And and I, of course, love love the last one for many reasons. But I mean, I think that's where real businesses obviously become businesses is when you actually have other people that you're leading and succeeding, succeeding through. And, and that, that's where the growth. Megan, I wanted to ask you, what is your advice to other executive assistants or, or administrative assistants who might be listening to this call and working with the founder who has lots of ideas and, you know, big plans and big visions for their organization. What's your advice to them about how to form a successful partnership and to make sure that your communication is in sync? Yeah. So my just basic advice was, would be, don't be afraid to make the leap. Coming from a corporate experience, it is a lot different and healthcare is its own kind of genre, you know, than, than the difference from corporate America. But it is an amazing experience to be able to work with someone one-on-one and communication definitely has to be there. I think a lot of trust has to be there. And that takes time. Obviously, the first day, I'm sure Jeff didn't trust me. You know, you never know. You never know. But I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Trust but verify. Um, yeah, yes. You know, so a lot of it is, you know, he doesn't have to micromanage me. He lives thousands of miles away from me. And we're remote workers. We have never met in person yet. You know, so even even having said that, you know, we still have that synergy and we're still able to trust each other and to get work done. And, you know, it, it's just all about the communication and the level of trust. And and you can make anything succeed, really. You actually brought up a really interesting point because obviously more and more people are, are working remote and having this sort of remote relationship where you, where you, you both work together so closely and yet so far apart. So how are you making that remote relationship 
work? Do you have like systems in place for doing that or what's your plan? So we do weekly check-ins on Zoom. And then of course we have Slack. So we message each other throughout the day. And, you know, we're kind of on different time zones. So he kind of has to trust that I'm going to get my stuff done when in the amount of time that I said I'm going to get it done. And, you know, that's basically how we work. I, I do well with deadlines and I, I do well with trust. So it just, it, it works. It's easy. Yeah. Slack and Zoom. It, and and yeah, she earned that trust. You know, when you first meet somebody, you don't really know how you can be optimistic that it's going to go well. And, and, and but, you, some you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But but yeah, she's earned the trust that you know. I know you you know she's not gonna screw around. She's gonna do what needs to be done. And and here's the thing: is even if she did screw around, what do I care? If if you know she's doing not like constant like this. I remember her telling me that she was gonna do a cross country trip with her husband for a couple months and my reaction was like, no way, that's awesome. You know, it, I don't care. I mean, you could really be anywhere as if, if the, what has to be done is getting done. What, why would I even care? I, I was like, that's great. Where, go somewhere, wherever, go wherever you want. To me, like, I like that she did that because it's like a point for Megan staying around because it has, she does have that freedom. And yeah, like I'm getting in bed. My time, it's, it's like... Yes, like, yeah, nine thirty PM right now. Yeah. How did you? But, how did you? I know you mentioned that she earned that trust. Was there like a certain point along the way that you you felt like okay, now the trust is earned, or what were the signs that were showing up that made you that made you feel like she had earned that trust? Because I do know that's a big thing for founders. I think for a few things. One was she was stepping up and learning all these tools. I mean, she came in. And started learning how to automate this and tools that she'd never even touched before. It hadn't even heard of it. Then she would just, she'd be like, hey, I found out that this, you can get Zapier and integrate it with this. And then it'll automatically, and she was like, you know, proactively, like, like for me, that's what I was afraid of is somebody that just kind of waits for like, here, do this, you know, but, but she would take it upon herself to do those kinds of things and and things were getting done. And, And the other thing was, you could see the improvement, you know, you could see, and, and and I'll say that I would never last in her role. Like I would have fired me in like the first week. I would have been like, yikes, if, you know, and, and that if I was in that seat, I would have, I would have not made the cut, but I could see, you know, the improvement and, and the effort and, and learning, learning new things and adapting. It's, I mean, you would think that she's just worked in this kind of a scenario, like the whole, like her whole career. That's really awesome. And, and what a testament to for you, Megan, for being proactive, making that. And I think that's such a big piece is like, you're actually just, you're showing up, you're doing the work, you're making it immediate. And the, the leader is able to see that, see the growth, see product, the product, the work product getting done, yes. like that give and take. And, and that's why we need each other because very often assistants aren't going to be able to do what the founders do and founders can't do what the assistants do. And that's why we need each other. Yeah, it really is like that yin-yang scenario. It's just the certain things like like founders, we really are all ADD. We're all all over the place. We have great ideas and we don't know where we put the great ideas. And we're like, before you've even implemented the last one, you're already coming up with, with another one, you know? And sometimes it is hard. You got to kind of, all that in your pocket, but that's sort of, that's 
I guess Gift is 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 coming up with these ideas and some some every now and then there's one that's good, you know. But 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 you know it, it also comes with with a lot of pressure and a lot of crappy stuff that somebody else might not want to do. I know there's certain things I wouldn't ask anybody to do. I'd feel bad. Well, yeah, I mean, leader, leadership is is hard, especially being the founder of an organization, and I. And there's, there's, everybody has their hard, right? There's, it's, there's hard for leaders and I may not want to be, I, I, as a chief of staff, don't want to have the hard that my founder does, but I have my own hard, you know, in my own role. And, and I think just having that kind of mutual understanding and respect for what each other does is really important to have successful, a successful partnership long term. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are you working on? Ooh, always working on something. I would say the thing that we're working on next is is 12 Mavens has always been a by invitation only little community of entrepreneurs and CEOs that were primarily in that 5 million to 100 million size companies. But there, you know, we we want to be able to a lot of entrepreneurs impact the the, the businesses and the lives of, of a bigger group of entrepreneurs from startups to an army of one to you know, just a small business with just a couple of people. And so we've been building out a platform and and created this thing where every month we've we have a different aspect of business. So imagine 12 different months, 12 different aspects of business. And then we found a top expert in each area. And every month we get them live on a Zoom. And then the, the entrepreneurs that are part of this new thing can ask them anything they want live it's like a master class but it's live and interactive and we record them and then we're putting them in this you know member portal and we're literally making it to where i guarantee you most people spend more in a month on starbucks awesome. and so so that is something that that we're working on and excited to to make available very cool do you have a, a launch date for that yet it's kind of a soft launch because we've quietly started already doing these these monthly sessions and we've already built the platform, but we haven't like really rolled it out or marketed it or promoted it yet. Well, yeah, that that's awesome. I really so maybe this is the sneak peek. You're getting this little <laughs> teaser. That's that's awesome. I, I really like that format in particular and getting those those experts on. That's really cool. Yeah, it's amazing because you think one month it's all about marketing, one month it's all about sales, one month's all about managing your time better, one month is all about culture, one month you're getting better at delegating, one month is like about leadership communication, one month, is, you know what I mean? But every month getting a little bit better, leveling up in each of these areas. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. It was it was great to chat about your company and all of your the work that you've done and of course the partnership as well thank you Thanks thank for you having so us. Much. thank you for doing this and putting this out into the world it's awesome